0: Chapter 21, verses 1 through 5, and I'm reading from the New International Version. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It was a beautiful, crisp October day, the kind, you know, where you're in the middle of fall and the trees are turned and they're all lovely, and and the air just has that right bit of chill, but it's not too cold. It's just a beautiful, crisp fall day. And this couple, older couple, they were getting things together because they were going on a camping trip. They had been married for 40 years, and now they were getting ready for the trip of their life. But it was camping, and they loved camping. And so they were packing everything together. But you know, as they were talking, it it seemed a little strange, because they said, well, you don't need to pack that. Oh, we won't be needing this. We just need this or that. And it was just a few things. You know how those discussions go. But they, they were packing very, very little. They just had their bags. They had a few bits of food, but not much. And they had their tent. And so they left their house in Plattsville, New York. And before they knew it, they were joined by over a 100 individuals who were also going camping on the hillside. And they were all followers of an individual called William Miller. And the date was October 21st, 1844. See, William Miller was a Baptist preacher who had been educated at Harvard. He had a great education. And he had gone into the ministry, he decided, and... and He had used all his intelligence and all his wisdom, and he figured by reading the book of Daniel that Jesus Christ was going to come again on October 22, 1844. And so hundreds and hundreds of his followers had just left all their belongings wherever they were at, And they went up on hillsides all across the state of New York and in New England. And there were even a few of his followers out in Ohio and here in Pennsylvania. And they were going to wait for the coming of the Lord, which was going to occur on October 22nd. And so there they were, camped out. They sang hymns. They broke bread together. They had a wonderful... Time of communion together. And night fell. And midnight came. And they were still there. The next morning, the sun rose. And they were still there. By noon that day, a few of them started to get a little bit questioning. But they decided they'd hold out at least till midnight of that day. Because October 22nd is a long day. And you might as well stay to the end. But then by midnight of October 22nd, nothing happened. And they were still there. And the followers began to leave. And they began to go back to their home. And many of them were despondent. Because they had literally given away everything they owned. And they had nothing to go back to. And they didn't know what to do. And William Miller, he truly believed too. And he was trying to figure out where he went wrong and what happened. And their faith was put into a crisis for literally thousands of people that were following William Miller. Our belief You know, from our beliefs that we have, we seek guidance and direction. Our belief kind of helps say, this is going to be the direction I'm going to go. This is how I'm going to act in different circumstances and what I'm going to do. It brings us together. Our belief right now in United Methodism and our belief just of this church, of Stroudsburg United Methodist Church, Even though we are small in number, it's what brings us together here and now. Why else would you wake up at 8 o'clock in the morning to come in here for this service? But it brings us together. It's kind of a glue that holds us. It provides us an understanding when things don't make sense, when there's an illness, when there's tragedy, when there are circumstances that are totally beyond our control. Our belief, whatever it may be, helps us to provide some sort of understanding and rationality to the chaos and uncertainty that's out there in the world. It is also something that provides us with comfort and consolation. When we are beyond comfort, when we are beyond being able to be cared for, Our belief is something that kind of sits there and really just provides us with comfort. We can take solace in it. All of those come from our beliefs. But there are those who are going to lead us astray. And for all sorts of reasons. And Scripture talks about people who will be led astray. Scripture, Christ in his teaching talked about those who would be led astray and there's all sorts of reasons for it some are like william miller they are very sincere he truly believed christ was going to return again on october 22nd 1844 all his education all his faith all his prayers had brought him to that date. But yet, he became one of those who led people astray. And instead of leading people to a closer union with God, to a more Christ-likeness, he became responsible for destroying the faith of thousands and of leading them with nothing. Some Are dishonest and they seek to manipulate. They hold big big meetings all over the place. They're on TV and maybe you see them or they were on the radio before and they're just in it for the money. That's all they want. They're going to manipulate you. They're going to try to deceive people. They're going to have everything together and when it comes down to it, the only reason They're there, is they could care less about your faith just as long as you hand over the dollars and bankroll them. And that's all they're there for. That's the only there. And then some, we're told by scripture, are literally led by Satan. They are demons. Scripture tells us Satan is like a lion prowling around waiting to see who he can devour. And so literally, Satan is around there. But it's for all these reasons that people get led astray, that we ourselves get led astray. From sincerity to those who are being dishonest just because they're lousy people themselves, Two, literally, spiritual forces at play in the world. All of those go into the thing. And that leads us to the fact that, well, what do we believe? What do we believe? Where do we stand? What's our anchor? In the United Methodist Church, we kind of have four pillars. I don't know if you realize that, but we have four things that we're supposed to base our belief on. Through it all. And it is our way to be like the Bereans in the scripture. The Bereans in the scriptures were the ones who tested everything. Paul came and preached to them, and yet they tested what Paul said to make sure it was true. And for us in the United Methodist Church, we have scripture first and foremost. We are supposed to use the scripture. That is our foundation. And you know, our belief in the scripture is really, truly solid in that it is a very unique text. There is more manuscript evidence for the scripture than any other ancient writing in all of the world. We have more manuscript evidence that goes closer to the date of the original text than even for many of William Shakespeare's writings. You don't even have to get that ancient. There is lots of documentary evidence for the validity of the scripture. You know, when the Dead Sea Scrolls were uncovered, the the text that had the longest amount was Isaiah. And the variation of Isaiah text from the Dead Sea Scroll. Two, the scripture that we had at that time in the 1940s it was only 16 words in the entire text, and that was it. Scripture has validity, and if any of you ever want to pursue that further with me on the outside, I'd be glad to do it. But it is the basis for our belief. It is the foundation in the United Methodist Church, and Scripture does not contradict Scripture. If you find a contradiction, if you are seeing a contradiction, you need to dig further into Scripture to have an understanding, because Scripture does not contradict itself. And I can show that in so many areas. But in the United Methodist Church, we also use reason. You know, we're the only denomination that has that as one of our pillars. That in the interpretation of Scripture, as we go, we're supposed to use what God gave us to understand and to think things through and to reason it. And then we have tradition. We have a rich tradition in our church. A rich tradition. And that tradition is built by a lot of well-meaning individuals who build up. And we're supposed to use that to help inform our understanding of Scripture. How was it interpreted in the past? How do we understand it? What were the cultural trends of the time? All of that helps us to inform our understanding. And then find our own personal experience each of us have a personal experience we have a personal experience ourselves as we are growing in christ and that helps inform what we believe these are the four pillars of our belief in the united methodist church this is how we shape our belief system and our understanding of the scriptures but the scriptures are foundational the scriptures are foundational in it so in the midst of all this though while we're doing it we really have an overabundance of information we live in an age where you can just go on I could go on to my smartphone right now and look anything up and we are just inundated with tons and tons of information sometimes seemingly contradictory coming at us from all directions at all times and we're, it just produces so much uncertainty. And then there's the, all the chaotic and uncontrollable events that occur, whether it be the weather, whether it be sickness and illness in our lives. All these things add to create confusion and chaos in our attempting to figure out what it is we believe and how we come together. And then there's our pain and our suffering that we experience ourselves for all sorts of different reasons. All of these things create confusion in the midst of us trying to formulate these beliefs using these four pillars that we have in our denomination. And so one thing we got to hang on to in the midst of all this, Scripture tells us that in Christ we are a new creation. We are made new in Christ. We're a new being. The old is just put away. Sin has created that world of confusion. Sin has created all the pain and the suffering that is there. And so in Christ, we kind of step out of that. And we are made as God originally intended us to be. A new creation. And so while we're a new creation, we understand that there's going to be false teachings abounding all over the world. It's not going to be right. That means we have to be discerning. We have to think about all that's put forward to us from whoever it is. We have to not be led astray. We have to be dependent not on this world, not on the teachings of individuals and people in this world, to include myself, not on anything of this world, but we really truly have to be dependent upon Christ who has made us as this new creation. We have to test everything, like the Bereans. We have to put it to the test of the scriptures and see Does it stand up? Does it measure up? And we understand then that the truth truly will set us free. If all of those who have followed William Miller had put it to the test, they would have seen the scripture that says from Jesus himself in the gospel, no one will know the time or place when Christ will come again. And Jesus told them, not one of us will ever know. And right off the bat, they would know there's a problem with what William Miller is saying, this is the date and time, because Christ says no one will ever know. And that truth will set you free from being led astray. It won't make you totally certain. And that's the other nice thing of Scripture lord i believe help me in my unbelief we will still struggle with our beliefs we'll still work on and that's part of what the united methodist church calls sanctification as we grow in christ and learn more and more about christ and that's a lifetime journey but the truth truly will set us free You know, in the end times there, the biggest belief that we have is the knowledge that Christ will truly come again. And as we read in the scripture, there will be a time where there will be no more pain, no more suffering, no more agony. The world will be made the way it was originally meant to be. And I'll tell you the best thing that I have ever seen about that time the best understanding of that time that I've seen, came in a children's book by C.S. Lewis. In the Chronicles of Narnia, his very last volume in that children's book series, it's called The Last Battle. And in that, you have a world that now is about 2,000 years away from the time when Aslan had first come. And Aslan was a great big lion in this children's book, a lion that sacrificed himself and then was actually raised from the dead for all the talking animals and characters in this great forest of Narnia. And it has all these other people in there too. And for time and a period, they were truly together and they lived. But then centuries and then millennia had passed since Aslan had last been seen. And now in this book, in The Last Battle, Aslan hadn't been seen for a couple thousand years. And the peace that the kingdom had once known had slowly begun to deteriorate. And there were just few left that really truly believed. And so what happens is a talking, a talking monkey, a monkey that could talk, who had just enough smarts to be dangerous. He has a friend who's a donkey, just a shaggy old donkey who's kind of gullible. And that monkey convinces the donkey to dress up like a lion. And so this shaggy old donkey, think development that we have here on Palm Sunday, is dressed up in this shaggy old lion costume. And in the evening, the monkey brings him out before all the animals of Narnia and all the other people and says, this is Aslan. And the donkey doesn't say anything because all he can do is bray. And the animals believe it because they're so desperate for something. And then this monkey deceives everyone in Narnia and convinces them that this is Aslan and convinces them to do all the things that Aslan told them never to do and to go in all the directions that Aslan never wanted them to go into. And before they know it, the forest is being torn down, the paradise of Narnia is being turned into something terrible, and people are committing atrocities against other people. And so in the midst of that, the few that still do believe they are faced with an impossible battle. And there's so much pain and there's so much suffering, they are overwhelmed and they do not know what to do. And there's a shed, a shed, a broken down shed But that donkey kept on being brought out of. And they go into a fight, the people still who believe, against those in Narnia. And they battle and they fight, but they lose. And then their punishment is to throw them in the shed because the monkey had placed into the shed two people who were going to kill him as he throws them in. But when he throws them in the shed and they walk past that, instead of being killed, what happens is there's a paradise on the other side of the door. They step in and it's a beautiful world. And it's all new. And the words that are used in the book is those individuals can't even remember what was before. It is as if they had always been there. And to me, the scriptures that Jackie read in Revelation of a new heaven and new earth, and every tear will wipe away, that's what it will be like. It will be as simple when we go from the midst of being overwhelmed with all the horrible things going on, and it'll be as, as simple as. Stepping across the threshold. And then we'll be in that new heaven and that new world. And it will be as if this never, ever existed. And we'll literally have no memory of it because it'll be so pointless. And we won't be able to recall a time when we were actually here because we will literally be in the presence of God. We'll be in the presence of God. And this is what we really believe. This is the belief that we can hang on to, that Christ will come again. We do not know the time and the place, but when we make that transition, when we make that transition, it will truly wipe away all our cares and worries that we have today. And when we stand in the presence of God, it will be as if none of this existed now. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks, dear Lord, because though we're in the midst of so many things going on in our world and life, though we struggle in so many ways to understand and to believe, Heavenly Father, I give you thanks because you give us a way to stay true to you. You give us a way to focus on our belief and to continue to build it in you. And most of all, dear Lord, I give you thanks because you promise us that there will become a day, that there will be a new heaven and a new earth, and that all of this that we know now will pass away. And we will forever be comforted by You. In Your name we pray. Amen.